Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick with a sunny backdrop for him. Today we're going to talk about Steelers, Browns, can talk Raiders, Dolphins, and Seahawks, Rams. But let's start off with Monday Night Football, Broncos, Bills. Uh, maybe the most memorable, well, at least in the discussion, for the most memorable final minutes of a game this season. Uh, a complete catastrophe, something that you couldn't take your eyes off of. Uh, what do you think of the betting ramifications out of that, Drew, anyway, to capitalize on what happened on Monday night? Uh, I mean, I have some serious thoughts about what's going on in Buffalo. Um, but before going there, I just you know, thank you to the Broncos for being competitive in that game. I probably needed that <laughs> to help repair some of the damage that was done Sunday day. Um, and uh, I think uh, that's the fourth or fifth primetime Russell Wilson game that has just been absolutely bananas. Like, not high quality, but just what in the world is going on, particularly at the end. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, cat tip and congratulations to getting a hard fought win, but there wasn't convincing performance by the Broncos. Uh, much more of a what's going on with the Bills, and they fire Ken Dorsey today. And I, I mean, it's tough for me to find a culprit or a or, or a person with the responsible charge who I would put less of this responsibility on than Ken Dorsey. So the fact that he gets fired feels a little bit unjust, which means that I'm pretty much hard out on Sean McDermott at this point. Like, I, if you don't have control of sort of the situation to the tune of you have to use Dorsey as like a human shield, uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, this was in no way related to their scheming, their play, play calling, the you know the development of the talent on the roster. Like, there's 10 other problems in Buffalo before what they were calling on the field. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of shocked and, and surprised even that we are this reactionary where something had to be done. Somebody had to be fired. Somebody had to pay a price because we're not winning as much as we're supposed to. And, you know, this team's been ravaged by injuries. So many of their best players are not coming back. We say week in, week out, we say it. And still, it's just, it's surprising that uh, it, uh, you know, it, it took it that it has taken this path and i gotta tell you like i don't know who's going to step in and call plays but if sean mcdermott has the vision and gets his kind of um you know kind of preference with the personnel they currently have available like this bills team is going to go sideways very quickly uh and you could say losing three or four with the one win being a game where if chris godwin turns around your own four then yeah okay but uh uh you know i i was hoping we could buy low on the bills down the home stretch but right now uh with this firing i'm i'm pretty much out on these guys yeah well how about tyrod taylor uh completing the final pass or not messing up the yeah. situation at the end of the half against the bills like the fact that 
they've lost all of these games in the manner that they have, letting Mac Jones drive down the field after they had seemingly won yeah. the game against New England. It's just been catastrophe after catastrophe. And look, Drew, I always say that when you have a 12th man on the field run on on special teams, you've got to fire the offensive coordinator because uh, it was definitely definitely his fault. <laughs> uh, just a complete mess all around. What, what McDermott did on that final drive, there's just so many different nuances to how incompetent it was. The fact that they send the zero blitz uh, and it gets home. Yeah. But, you know, they, so they send the zero blitz. Do you know who's, like, isolated one-on-one on an island, uh, I think, against the tight end uh, to one-on-one and with just between him and the end zone? It's DeMar Hamlin, who hadn't played football on defense yeah. since he died and is, like, his fifth snap yeah. or whatever. Uh, he's got a guard in isolation on a zero blitz. And then they sent it again. Uh, and I just think that doing it the second time, when you'd already pushed them out of field goal range, you don't have Tredavious White or Matt Milano uh, or Micah Hyde out there to be able to hold up on the back end or just be a part of the play. And so I don't know what was going on with that second call. Uh, I understand that it worked the first time and you're trying to end the game, but, I mean, the game is largely in your favour there. And I don't think that... I think that you do, if you want to do that, you do it on fourth down. You do it on the next play. So I don't understand what the Bills were doing there. Uh, and then the complete disaster uh, at the end with the 12th man coming on. But uh, last thing on this one, Drew, because there's a lot of chat uh, on Twitter about it last night because it has been such a divisive market. Do you think comeback player of the year is done now that Hamlin got on the field? played defense in a very meaningful game and meaningful moment, made a tackle uh, and just got out there again. Do you think that award is done or do you think it's still alive? Uh, I don't think there's really scope for anyone to put themselves into this discussion at this point. And I think, you know, the injuries that they're sustained on defense to this, you know, uh, you know, they're not going away. So this is probably not the last time you've seen him on play. Um, and, you know, he, I don't know that he needs to play especially well or really needs to have an impactful moment on a game to in a game to secure the award. I really just think he needed to be on the roster. <laughs> and so we're long past that. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is uh, it's a it's a murky award with a very intangible definition of how it gets decided upon. And you had you know, really smart people like Peter King last year voting for Nick Gates because he came back from the most violent of injuries of anyone who did come back. And there's no more violent injury to come back for than what DeMar Hamlin has pulled off. So there's going to be a huge voting block that just says easy, easy answer, move on. What else we got? Yep, I agree. And I think what this award has always been about and the way to handicap it is not that Hamlin's never, to me, been 100% to win, but he's always been more than 60%, which is what the market has had him for a long time. And what last night did was it just raises the bar even higher that someone else would have to clear in that now the way that Hamlin loses is if Aaron Rodgers miraculously comes back with three weeks left in the season and leads the Jets to the playoffs and it's a medical miracle or Josh Dobbs plays like a top five quarterback the rest of the way and the Vikings get a two seed and win the NFC North. Like this stuff is just, it's so, and even then in those situations, I still think Hamlin probably wins anyway. So I think what last night did was it just dispelled uh, a lot of the counter argument against him, which was that, 
you know, he hadn't played on defense and he's just running around on special teams. Last night completed the comeback. Like he he died on defense making a tackle and he was out there last night on defense making a tackle. And so I think it's come full circle and I would be pretty stunned now if he lost. I still think it's minus 200. I still think that's a ridiculous price. I think it should be uh, closer to uh, minus 2,000 than minus 200. But uh, anyway, we will talk about that award again if it gets more interesting. Uh, let's talk about Steelers-Browns. The Browns are four-point favorites. Total is 36 and a half. Uh, who would have thought a clash towards the top of the AFC North? Uh, do you think the Browns warrant being four-point favorites? Definitely not. No, definitely no. Okay. Um, this is a re- this is a rematch. Uh, <laughs> it feels like approximately what it was it, about one million years ago, uh, week two when these two teams played, um, and you had the Browns coming off of uh, an impressive win against the Bengals in week one, and the Steelers coming in uh, after getting embarrassed by by the hands of the 49ers. and that game was sort of the start of what has been a lot of how are the Steelers doing this this season because uh, it took two touchdowns and uh, you know some some pretty um, wild end of game stuff to get that win home for the Steelers and uh, if they lose that game are they here kind of in the conversation for a playoff spot absolutely not so um, you know this is now closing a chapter on a rivalry that has been a little bit lopsided of late in favor of the Steelers and um, I personally think that if if you just in the blind took the points in in the AFC North and pretty much every matchup we've got so far this season you're pretty feeling pretty happy about your performance as a handicapper um, which is just to say that the familiarity between these teams and the margin between these teams is pretty narrow uh, in a neutral situation and now uh, you add into the mix the fact that uh, Deshaun Watson albeit coming off of a very impressive comeback against the Ravens is dealing with an ankle injury which will impact his mobility uh, his mobility by the way which is sort of the hallmark of any of the successful performance we've seen from him so far this season it hasn't all been through the air that uh, Deshaun Watson is wowing us man he is he is very very reliant on uh, escaping the pocket because he likes to hold on to the ball for a long time and his scrambling was super important against the Ravens uh, and just in general the the Browns ability to uh, you know kind of diversify their attack on the ground was uh, you know a key factor in that in that effort so um, his if his you know, mobility is limited in any way shape or form that's a huge red flag and I also am still prepared for him to be a surprise scratch and this to be the pj walker show because as we know deshaun watson is calling his own number whether and if he's not feeling right uh on friday morning then you know just be prepared for oh man maybe we should have gotten pj walker some more reps with the ones this week so um i'm not saying it's going to happen but i think plus four is a, a decent shot just on the bet of some chaos and uncertainty regarding Watson's health and availability. Uh, and then on the flip side, you, you know, the Steelers offensive line is performing a heck of a lot better. Miles Garrett was, and is always a factor in these sort of games. And uh, he should be a factor in this game surely, but uh, they are, you know, pass pro that you're getting out of uh, Broderick Jones and, and the run blocking in particular has been a huge, huge step in the right direction for that unit relative to what Dan Moore was offering. Uh, and I think Deontay Johnson being back and being at full strength is a pretty nice matchup against the Browns team that maybe without Denzel Ward. So uh, Steelers and their ability to kind of eke out another 20 to 17 kind of a win. 
I'm I'm in. I'm I'm ready to see it. Uh, I think plus four is a perfectly fair play. If the Browns win, I don't think this is going to be Browns by margin. Uh, and I'm kind of surprised the market is giving us that outside of a field goal. Where are you on this one? Okay, I think we're a little opposed on this. I think back to what Kenny Pickett served up in week two against Cleveland and the fact that that game was in Pittsburgh and the Steelers needed two defensive touchdowns to win by four. Uh, And Deshaun was terrible in that game, I thought. And I thought that one of the most uh, material outcomes of the weekend was that in the second half, Deshaun Watson looked athletic again against Baltimore and seemed to know what he was doing. He went 14 for 14 in the second half and drove them down the field against the Baltimore defense, making some pretty key plays to win that game uh, at the end. So I think we'll see with his health. That is always the thing. This guy can't stay healthy for six quarters. It just, just doesn't happen. Uh, but if he is full go, I think the Browns are in a different tier to the Steelers if we see that Deshaun, because uh, that looked like the guy who lit up Tennessee as well, and it seems like he might be turning the corner uh, in his tenure uh, as a Cleveland Brown. So I just think as well, oh, the a lot of their success to the past uh, couple of games has been their ability to run the ball. They're not going to be able to run the ball on Cleveland, I don't think. That's I true. I'd be pretty surprised if they do that. Cleveland have a top three rushing defense. And I don't think Jalen Warren's going to be breaking these chump plays. Like, they couldn't do anything on the ground against uh, Cleveland the first time they played. I don't really see why that would have changed a lot. I mean, Broderick Jones playing a little bit more, but I mean, he's not Trent Williams or anything. So uh, I think that they're going to struggle uh, with, to run the ball. I think they're going to have to throw. And the quiet thing about the Steelers is that uh, Kenny Pickett, who was kind of trending in the right direction, he was terrible against Green Bay. And he looked like he was back to the guy who showed up uh, against Cleveland in week two in prime time. So I'm not expecting much from Kenny Pickett. I think that also uh, one of the stranger things, just a little kind of niblet from the weekend, is that Cleveland ran the ball really effectively on Baltimore's front. Jerome Ford, yeah. 17 for 107 even though they're down multiple guys on their offensive line. So you are like you can run the ball on Pittsburgh. Uh, I know Cam Hayward's back, so that helps that. But still, I think that just between Cleveland's rushing attack seemingly clicking, between Deshaun looking better, I expect he's probably going to go, uh, given his comment. Uh, to be fair, his comments have been lies in the past in terms of his health status. So we'll <laughs> see about that. But if Deshaun goes, I think Cleveland will win. I just think there are a different tier to, to Pittsburgh. But, I mean, what do you think? Okay. Do you think the Cleveland are just kind of more in the muck of the AFC and they're kind of a team that's the same level as the Chargers and the Steelers? Or do you think that they're closer to that, you know, Miami, uh, not quite Kansas City, but Miami, that type of level yeah. of team? I don't think this is a huge misprice. I just think it should be three, and I'm happy to have outside of a field goal. <laughs> I just think that uh, – so I think they're better than the Steelers. I think they're better than the Chargers. I would make them definitely a step below the, the Dolphins. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when I when I account for the absence of healthy tackles and I account for potentially a, a less mobile um, – uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, I get the Steelers uh, losing the yardage battle by about 150 yards, yeah. getting uh, to getting two defensive touchdowns and winning by three. Yeah. Uh, so that's my fair. Uh, no, I, I mean, you know, in, in seriousness, though, that I, I, 
I, your points are all reasonable. And I have been what one, one thing I've spent a decent amount of time two days specifically doing is trying to figure out if there was something specific about what happened with Baltimore's defense in the second half and really just in general, how their rushing defense was so, um, you know, effectively comp, you know, uh, just beaten. Uh, by a Browns rushing attack that under with that at least with Jerome Ford out there it's been awful uh, you know since uh, Nick Chubb moved on Kareem Hunt's been more effective by a long shot and seeing Ford succeed was a little weird uh, so I kind of feel like that was more on the Ravens defense and something they were doing schematically or an injury that mattered more than people realized but um, you know I I, uh, I like the idea of uh, TJ Watt lining up against backup tackles in this game with Deshaun Watson who holds onto the ball too long hobbling around back there so uh, I'll uh, I'll take my chances with Mike Tomlin and company to uh, continue the voodoo this year. Okay, you can have you can have Kenny Pickett. I'll take Miles Garrett. That's fine. <laughs> uh, I think we will see defensive touchdowns in this game, but uh, I think that it might be uh, on Cleveland's side. I think this might be Kenny Pickett's reckoning, but uh, right. we'll see. It would be very Steelers to lose this game, thirty-one to six, and then rip off a two-game winning streak and somehow uh, get to eight and four. But ready for anything with this matchup, particularly the uncertainty around the Sean. All right, before we get to Raiders Dolphins, a reminder that Sunday Night Football is headed to Altitude this week when the Vikings travel to Denver for a battle with Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Coverage of the interconference matchup begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. Uh, a suddenly compelling matchup between the Vikings and Broncos. Mm-hmm. I don't know why Sean Payton thought that uh, he had Zach Wilson as his quarterback last night instead of Russell Wilson. They don't let Russell Wilson do anything an offense just run handoffs to Javante Williams for three yards of pop uh anyway we'll see yeah. what they do again Minnesota. shortest uh targets of the uh, you know average depth of the target of his career it was bizarre watching it live because you're literally like does he not know that the entire secondary for the bills is hurt I don't understand yeah I think the Broncos are going to win that game I think uh the <laughs> Dob Sanity uh is going to uh going to have cold water poured on it though I hope not um for uh, my Kevin O'Connell position Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. All right, let's talk Raiders, Dolphins, Dolphins 12-point favorites. Uh, we talked about how this seemed very low at the 9.5 open. Uh, the mm-hmm. total is 46.5. Uh, do you think that the Raiders have the scope to keep this within 12? Man, the disrespect for our Raiders. What is going your on? Your Raiders, not my Raiders. They're your Raiders. <laughs> I, don't want I, I mean, would you be... Like I, okay, so here's here's uh, here's how you know you know the old quote about statistics, you know, lying liars who lie or whatever. Anyway, um, statistics can be misleading in a lot of ways. Um, if you take week five to today, um, the Raiders defense, Jay, top six in EPA per play allowed. Uh, this is a unit that's on the come up, but then you kind of dig in a little bit, and they've played Mac Jones. 
and they yeah. played Tommy DeVito and they played Zach Wilson yeah. <laughs> and they've played some truly truly bottom feeding offense Brian Hoyer in this uh run here Brian Hoyer did they play Brian no they yeah. have Brian Hoyer <laughs> sorry yeah. not Brian Hoyer yeah. Um, but they so, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah they they've had <laughs> they've had a, a just an just just an incredible run just an incredible run of weak opposing uh, offenses and quarterbacks and now uh this is for real um, and I think the Dolphins coming in here off of a buy at full strength, by the way, expecting Devin A-Chan to be back, A-Chan. Um, this is a, a disastrous matchup for the Raiders. The Raiders' defense gets by on some sound fundamentals and some Max Crosby chaos. Um, and realistically, the Dolphins, with their ability to get the ball out of Tua's hands so quickly and into the hands of just dynamic athletes, is going to be really, really tough for the Raiders to match and counter in any way, shape, or form. Uh, if you tell me the Dolphins make this team, you know, the, the full game total by themselves, I, I actually wouldn't be surprised. Like, this Raiders defense is in for an absolute... Uh, rude awakening of the worst kind. And, um, you know, Antonio Pierce has done a nice job in his two-game stint, really kind of picking these guys up off the floor and really getting them motivated for a couple of contests where they should have uh, beat up on some inferior opponents. And uh, now they got to, you know, tussle with the big boys here. And the fact that there's only one win separating these two is kind of insane because um, the <laughs> Dolphins are just a just a class above. So um, brutal spot for the Raiders uh, coming off a primetime game at home against the Jets now having to go play, you know play in uh you know the warmer conditions even though it is you know November here it's going to be quite warm down in Miami and I think this sets up uh pretty much perfectly for every way Miami would want to succeed on offense and uh haven't even mentioned their defense potentially um bouncing back here but after a weak first half of the season with the absence of Jalen Ramsey um they looked pretty amazing in Germany against a uh Patrick Mahomes led uh, uh, Chiefs team and you know who I hold in less regard than Patrick Mahomes Mr. Aiden O'Connell uh, and so I think ultimately uh, if they can take you know if they can match up against Devontae Adams no idea how the Raiders are effective moving the ball in this one uh, and I think the move from nine and a half to twelve is completely fair and actually my fair is closer to 13 here so if you really want to get weird and frisky and lay some points laying with the Dolphins this week is probably my favorite of the big big faves. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I think as well that it went under the radar because it was the Frankfurt game and they lost, but the Dolphins' defense looked sick against Kansas City. And I think that Ramsey coming yeah. back. I mean, Kansas City had two scoring drives in the entire game. It, they won because they got yep. the ridiculous Tyreek Hill fumble six, but they couldn't really do anything. And I understand that the Chiefs' uh, offense has struggled this year, but I mean, it's still a good offense. It's still Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, there was the, the previous game before that when Mahomes wasn't on an IV right before the game. They completely decimated the Chargers, and Mahomes looked as good as he's ever looked. Uh, and with Mahomes healthy again against the Dolphins, they really, really struggled. And I think that Ramsey coming back just fixes so much of what's wrong with that defense. Now it just pushes everyone further down the pecking order. Now what's left of Xavier and Howard doesn't need to be chasing around the Jamar Chases of the world. Uh, with that D-line, with Chubb and Wilkins and Phillips, with Javon Holland who's having an awesome season at safety, uh, I think this defense is kind of loaded now. And another thing is that like Teron Armstead is back too. So the offensive line yeah. looks really strong. I, I, yeah, I don't think there's much separating the Dolphins uh, and any other team in the NFL going forward. And again, another thing that went under the radar because they won the game. 
I didn't know Connell was terrible against the Jets. And I understand the Jets. <laughs> and Justin Herbert was terrible. He made one pass. Yeah, he looked like he wasn't ready. Even the way he would take off and scramble and slide. It's like, have you played football? Yeah. I didn't, this one doesn't look normal. Uh, I think he is in, in big, big trouble in this game. And yeah, I would be stunned if they uh, if they keep this one uh, at all close. So I agree. I think this is going to close closer to fourth. I think it's going to close 13 and a half, to be honest. Uh, I don't know who is taking the Raiders. I mean, there's still some 11 and a half about. I cannot imagine... A worse way to spend my Sunday than uh, only getting an 11.5 point head start with uh, the great Aiden O'Connor. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. All right, before we go to <laughs> Seahawks Rams, a reminder, Saturday, November 18th at 11 a.m. Eastern, Vaughn Dalzell, Brad Thomas, and Eric Froton are answering college football betting questions for week 12, including Brock Bowers and Georgia traveling to Nayland Stadium for a showdown against SEC East rival Tennessee. All right, one of the weirder games of the week, I think, Seahawks at Rams. Looks like Stafford will go. Don't know what f- full capacity he will be in, but it seems like he is going to play. If he does struggle or get hurt again, uh, at least they will have the immortal Carson Wentz backing him up instead of uh, whatever's left of uh, Brett Rippon. But when they played in week one in Seattle, uh, Seahawks were what, six-point favorites, five-and-a-half-point favorites yeah, in that one? and the Rams, Five close six, yeah. Yeah, and the Rams destroyed them. Uh, what do you make of this game? Because this line is saying that these two teams are, you know, pretty close to identical and neutral. Yeah, I lost a lot of money in that game <clears throat> week one. <laughs> I definitely thought that the uh, Seahawks were going to be uh, a little feistier in that contest, but they laid down in the second half. And, you know, part of that was they had a couple offensive line injuries. Part of that was because they made 0.0 adjustments for what the Rams, you know, brought out offensively. Puka Nakua, uh, you know, basically made his entire rookie campaign in that one game. Um, and it was pretty, uh, you know, pretty deflating to see the Seahawks. Um, you know, get beaten that badly. And I honestly have no idea how to currently rate the Seahawks. I thought last week was pretty telltale, perfect opportunity for them to bounce back. You have a young quarterback in Sam Howell who is susceptible to pressure. If you want to bring some exotic blitzes, let him rip, make him make some mistakes, make him take some sacks. Didn't really see any of that. Seahawks instead went a lot more base and really just got beaten, you know, really at the at the tail end of that game uh, pretty convincingly. Uh, and if their offense doesn't, you know, if, if, you know, I guess really if Ron Rivera is a little bit more 
careful about his time management at the end of that contest. The Seahawks don't have a chance to come down and score the game-winning field goal, but um, that was about as uninspiring a win as I can recall from the entire slate last year, last week. Uh, and I think, um, you know, the, the one boom play that they got from Kenneth Walker, that's not really repeatable stuff. Uh, and the lack of chemistry between Gino and his wide receivers is it's palpable. Like you could just see a lot too many, uh, wasted downs where he's just throwing it over guys' heads. He doesn't have confidence in his guys getting open. And the Rams basically, you know, put on a clinic clinic week one of saying, Hey, we're going to play the style of defense that really frustrates your quarterback and make him, uh, make some mistakes. And I don't see why that wouldn't happen again. Uh, and then on the flip side, if you're going to give, uh, you know, if you're if you're not able to generate pressure with your front four, then you're giving Matt Stafford time to pick you apart, and you play a style of coverage without any kind of wrinkles, any kind of um, you know disguising. Uh, you know, he's going to have an absolute field day here. So if his thumb is is you know 100. percent um, and he's working with, uh, you know, Cooper Cup and Puka, Puka Nakua now, an even stronger uh, set of weapons against the Seattle Seahawks defense. I really don't know why this isn't deja vu all over again, where the Rams get a pretty comfortable win. Um, and, you know, I know the market has moved now to making them small favorites. We're seeing, you know, minus 115s in the money line uh, right now, which says, you know, they got about a you know 55% chance to win this game. And, I think that's pretty realistic, and uh, so I'm not dying to get involved one way or the other here. I think, uh, you know, if this gets to one and a half, I'll probably tease the Seahawks and just kind of hold my breath there. But, uh, um, you know, Seahawks have a pretty important game on deck next week on Thanksgiving against the, uh, you know, the Niners. And uh, I don't think that's necessarily something that they would be looking past this Rams team towards that potential matchup. But, um, you know, I could see the Seahawks stumbling here. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, I, I, how many weeks ago did we say this? The Seahawks are, they're, they're locked into the sixth seed in the NFC, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't think there's any realistic chance they'd run down the Niners. There's no realistic chance they'd run down the five seed and the seven seed is going to finish with nine, you know, eight or nine wins. So, um, you know, Seahawks are pretty much in cruise control to be touchdown dogs, against the lions or the niners or the eagles in the, in the in the wild card round and probably lose by double digits yeah i think right now the problem with seattle is just that gino has settled into being the 16th 17th best quarterback in the nfl behind a pretty bad offensive line and when that's your starting point on offense even though they have good weapons in Metcalf and Lockett and JSN and Ken Walker. Just the fact that Gino has never really rediscovered that first five weeks, you know, MVP candidate level play from last year. Uh, I think it just caps their ceiling, particularly when, you know, on defense, there was the idea a couple of weeks ago that, you know, maybe this is a top eight, nine defense. Maybe this is just a really good defensive unit. And then Baltimore just absolutely annihilated them. And they didn't really cover themselves in glory against the commanders either. And now I think it's just a, you know, it's a solid defense. It's slightly above average, perhaps, with, you know, a really strong secondary with Devin Witherspoon and Tariq Woolen anchoring that. But they haven't had a pass rush in years. And I don't think Leonard Williams really moves the needle. Leonard Williams is like the Blazers with Dame adding Jeremy Grant. It's like, all right, what is it? Like, he doesn't really do anything for you here. I don't guess he's good and helps out, but is it really worth it? Uh, so I think that this game largely hinges on Stafford's health. Uh, and given that, uh, just given that variable, I prefer Seattle uh, as a dog. I think it's also instructive. The last two times we've seen Stafford healthy, 
the Rams were getting completely eviscerated by the Cowboys. And then before that, they lost at home to Kenny Pickett and the Steelers. So it's not like they were playing brilliantly uh, either. So, yeah, I don't really see it for the Rams. Uh, and if Stafford is not 100%, then I think the Seahawks will win. Yeah, the Stafford question mark is huge, but I will say that some of the Rams' degradation in terms of performance uh, heading into their bye was was offensive line health related, yeah. and Rob Pavenstein should be back. And you know, in general, with you know two weeks to really prepare for uh, a pass rush that can't necessarily get home even against bad offensive lines, I think that actually does give this Rams a little bit more of a shot here. And um, you know, it's it's. It's still a pretty decent coaching mismatch. Pete Carroll's kind of gotten his pocket picked by McVay for a while now. <laughs> and, you know, I, maybe there is some, you know, there is some wrinkle that, uh, you know, the Seahawks have been saving for this rematch. But um, I'm pretty unimpressed right now with what their vision is in terms of who they want to be as a team. Yeah. You know what this is? This is like the rich man's version of Panthers Bears where it just feels like kind of an irrelevant <laughs> matchup, but one that's going to be relatively well played between two solid quarterbacks uh, and ultimately is going to have next to no bearing on the outcome of the season, I think. We'll see. Maybe the Seahawks will go in San Francisco uh, on Thanksgiving and um, and make themselves very relevant, but I think we kind of saw their true face revealed when they got absolutely stumped by the Ravens. So I don't think there's a ton there with the Seahawks. I think this is a 10-7 and 7 wild card uh, type of team that, to your point, uh, will make uh, great uh, fodder for whoever the three seed is, whether that's Detroit or San Francisco or whatever, uh, particularly for San Francisco. I think it's yeah, just going to be Anyone but San Francisco. Dude, you know how bummed I'm going to be if we get a third Niners-Seahawks game this year? Really, a- anything. Like, San Francisco, please f- figure out a way to get to 14-3 and three and get the one or the two seed, please. I really don't want to see a third Niners game against the Seahawks. Yeah, I've already seen the outcome to that. It's going to win 34-17 because that's how it feels yes, like yeah, yes. games end. Exactly. All right. With that, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Please rate and subscribe if you're listening to us in podcast form. And a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. I'm Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. We'll see you soon. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokers Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC.